0: Podcast. Nick Hale to the Redskins Pfizer and Joshua Johnson here to make you laugh, challenge your mind, and
1: help you build a foundation. This is the Dynasty Bowl, presented by the Dynasty Football Wear.
2: We've got to be the dumbest team in America
1: in terms of playing the game. And I'm highly critical because of the way we give games away. We give them away. Period.
0: Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game.
3: Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Johnson. And apparently my computer is operating at a delayed fashion today. Sorry about that. Oh, the Slayer there. Just got my blood my blood veins going, my raining blood going. Uh, got my blood moving and I'm ready to do this podcast. With me as always is Nick. Hey to the Redskins Wagner. Nick, what's up, buddy?
0: Oh, not much, Josh. us oh, good morning. We can when we can start off with some Slayer, right?
3: Uh, yes sir, wake up the right way, uh, happy to be back on the airwaves, we did not have a podcast last week, um, but uh, we are back for you this week and ready to talk some NFL playoffs, uh, some prospects, some some daily stuff, be, some stuff you can do during the fantasy playoffs, to, uh, excuse me, the regular playoffs to keep your uh, fantasy uh, fires brewing, if you will. Uh, but, uh, so we have a great show planned for you today. Uh, as always, uh, Brian Sweet's going to be stopping by about 12 minutes here to give us a little daily breakdown there for you. He's our, our daily assassin here on staff. Um, sorry about that. Why, why else would it something else? Why, why not something else go wrong today? Oh, but anyway, great. Like I said, great show for you to plan and I promise it'll get better. Um, uh, my uh, gracious co-host also informed me that one of the prospects I was supposed to talk about today is going back to school. But you know what? I run a nice little scouting report, so I'm going to talk about it anyway. And I don't get it. I'm really mad that he's going back. This is a guy that's probably going to sneak into the first round. Why is he going to go back to be a top five pick next year? Uh,
2: anyway,
3: Desmond King going back to Iowa. Very sad about that because i really starting and fall in love with him. Uh, but it is a pretty heavy cornerback class, so maybe that is... That is his problem there. Um, but like I said, we weren't with you last week. Uh, the uh, final week of the NFL season ticked by. Not a huge fantasy week uh, for some, although I did win one league there at the uh, end of end of the regular season. I won the, one of the NFL female leagues that I was in. And uh, apparently I was also the winner of a T-shirt, which I am not told is on the way to me. So I'll post a picture of that on Twitter as soon as I get that here in the next couple of weeks as uh My good friends over there at NFL Female, I'm sure, will appreciate that, and I I have no problem wearing their brand. Uh, Nick, any uh, Week 16 or Week 17 thoughts since we haven't been on the last couple weeks?
0: Well, if you're trying to convince your league not to play in Week 17, your argument has a lot of ammunition after this uh, Week 17. Uh, The leading rushers were Rashad Jennings, Ronnie Hillman, Alfred Blue, Christine Michael, and Alfred Morris. Uh, The top three quarterbacks were Kellen Moore, Blaine Gabbard, Ryan Tannehill, Jamison Crowder, Devin Funchess, Terrence Williams. All were in the top ten in receiving yards. Terrence Williams was actually second. Uh, You know, these guys are not the guys that should be deciding championships. So (laughs) the league should just stop in Week 16. Uh, One more thought on Week 17. If you told me Green Bay would hold Adrian Peterson to 19 carries and 67 yards and Teddy Bridgewater to under 100 yards, I would think Green Bay would have ran away with that game. But not so fast. Minnesota actually won it and wins the NFC North. But back to the championship week. Uh, we saw some big games from familiar names. Jordan Reed, Julio Jones, Brandon Marshall, Blake Bortles, and his two receivers, Alan Hearns and Robinson, uh, and Zach Ertz. They all had big games. Tim Hightower and Kirk Cousins were both projected to be strong plays, and neither of those guys disappointed. Uh, one of the biggest question marks uh, this offseason is going to be what to do with Doug Baldwin, who helped win a lot of leagues, I would guess. Uh, 78 catches, over 1,000 yards, and 14 scores on the year. Uh, 11 touchdowns just in these 12 through season. Is he a guy that you want to sell high or hold on to? Uh, it's a big big decision for a lot of owners. And one final name, uh, Minnesota's kicker Blair Walsh had his second five field goal game of the season in week sixteen. Anytime you can get over twenty points from your kicker in a championship game, you have to be happy about that. Especially when you win by fifteen <laughs> points like I did in one league where I have uh, Walsh. So yay kickers, right?
3: <laughs> uh, how many points did he drop in that league for you?
0: Uh twenty five points
3: now. Twenty five. Wow. I had a I uh had a week of many years ago when I had Neil Rakers put up twenty three for me, I thought that was ridiculous for a kicker. Twenty five just do you get like bonus points for like fifty yarders or something like that in that league potentially? Uh
0: I believe so, yes. And he also had the four yeah. extra points on top of the five field goals, so that helped too.
3: I wonder if there'll be some uh some people out there spouting next year sure that extra points <laughs> if teams go away from it, maybe extra points would be worth uh, more than one, at least uh, for fantasy purposes, but uh, there we go, already talking about kickers too long, um, week 16, I made a couple championships, um, and I got blown out in both of them, uh, home league, uh, I wasn't even, I think I scored maybe half of what the other my other player scored, it just was not, not the great week for me, and not a in a year where I loaded up on running backs. This is a redraft league. I just never could get any continuity out of any of them. Um, And ended up starting Carlos Williams and Cameron Artis Payne in that league. And uh, of course, Jeremy Hill and uh, Charles Sims were the big scores, but you know, there's, there's at least a little bit of solace in knowing no matter what I did, I was no there's no way I was, even with an optimal lineup, I was no way I was going to win that league. Um, and then uh, the league where I was undefeated, the fantasy the crazy fantasy Taz uh, ID full IDP league. Um, I mean, this league is insane. Not only is it twenty, not only do you start eleven players in offense, and eleven players on defense, but you also. Um, the, the points are also, like, increased. I mean, like, defensive tackles will score crazy amounts of points. And, it, yeah, the points are just all over the place. Just crazy fun. It's actually kind of a pros versus Joe's league where they have six, you know, fans and uh, six writers in it. And I'm happy to say that three of the four teams remaining at, at, into the playoffs were all DFW guys. Uh, but uh, got to the championship undefeated, played Bruce Kimbrough, and he just – told me to shreds. I think I lost by 120 points. And like I said, this is a league with a lot of players, and the points are a, you know, the, a lot of times the winners in this game were scored over 300 points. Bruce happened to put up over 400 points, uh, just to put a little bit of perspective. So, yeah, he, uh, I knew it was bad going into that last Monday night, excuse me, a week 16 Monday night, Bengals versus Broncos. I uh, needed 50 points from Geo. If I had 50 points from Gio, McCarron and AJ Green, if they all scored 50 points each in that league, I still would have still lost by five points. That's how bad it was going into Monday night. I couldn't tell you how how uh, how I really felt about having blame or excuse me AJ McCarron, you know, all resting on his shoulders anyway, despite you know how how things worked out on Sunday. But yeah, interesting week. And uh, like I said, uh, beat our good friend Sonia Greenfield, the Detroit Lions reporter. In the NFL female league uh, in week 17 uh, thanks to my awesome group of wide receivers and is, I don't know how sad this is and uh, you can totally discredit me now people but uh, the one league that I did win uh, that was actually the league that I the only league that I didn't draft my team in they I, I had a draft at a weird time and I wasn't able to do it and uh, uh, Bruce Kimbrough stepped in and did that draft for me so uh, good job Bruce we did it uh, um each and every week, we do a little something that we'd like to call Nick Rants. It's where I give my co-host Nick uh, the the floor to kind of rant about something uh, that's bothering him, and I like to babble on till I get to the uh, music clip for Nick Rants. Uh, but uh, yeah. usually, it's you know football related. Sometimes it's controversial. Uh, sometimes I like to call it shots fired. Um, for, for some reason, the only name that's coming to mind is Emmett Smith. But he likes to call people out, so uh, maybe he's calling somebody out now. What do you got for us, Nick Rantz?
0: Well, it's that time of year, the week of Black Monday, when uh, many coaches get fired, and there's always some teams appear to be a little bit too hasty. Take the Eagles, for example. Chip Kelly took over a four-win team and took them to -to back-to-back double-digit win seasons, then led his squad to still have a chance to win the division in Week 16, and he did it with quarterbacks like Nick Foles, Sam Bradford, and Mark Sanchez. Not many head coaches can get 26 wins in three years with those quarterbacks. Now, of course, there's the excuse that he wouldn't give up control over player personnel, but that's also on the Eagles. Why did you give that much control to a head coach who's only made the playoffs once? That's ridiculous. And, you know, big surprise, Cleveland starting over again, fired their head coach and their GM again because they're Cleveland. That's why they've been in last place the last five years and seven of the last eight years in their division. So, you know, it's nice. I think it's nice to see examples like San Diego. Uh, the head coach there, McCoy, led his team to a winning record before this year's 4-12 and record. But that team was so beat up with injuries, nobody could have won with that squad. Same thing goes for Chuck Pagano in Indianapolis, who everybody thought would be fired for his 8-8 season, despite coming off 3-11 win seasons. Yeah, I know Bruce Arians was responsible for one of those years, but still, come on. That's just ridiculous. Good for the Colts for not trying to fix what wasn't broken. And I'm not saying that either of these guys should not be on the hot seat in twenty sixteen. They should be. But one bad year should not get you fired, especially when the coach has a track record of success in the NFL. What do you think about that, Josh?
3: Well, I've heard maybe too much about the whole Chip Kelly situation and it just sounds like he was not a very easy person to deal with. Which which makes sense. But I I I kinda agree with you. I mean, he was tenant Two ten win seasons, and then he had a six win season. You gave him more control, and he took a little bit of regression. But you're not really—I mean, what what would happen? To, I just think maybe one more year would have been the the key there, because now you're basically – Even if you went six and uh, six and ten again next year, then you fire him. But but now you're completely starting over from scratch. I mean, who who knows what? what's going to come into that situation and what they're going to do with that person. Now that basically Chip Kelly assembled for his system. Now somebody else has to come in there and figure things out and probably make some trades that the, uh, the over over aggressive fans of Philly are going to hate or make some moves that people won't understand. And, you know, I mean, do we think this is going to help them next year? I mean, are they going to be a playoff team next year? Uh, Recent rumor does have Adam Gaze, uh, going in for a second interview this weekend. So maybe maybe Sam Bradford's going to be the awesome fantasy quarterback he was supposed to be this year. Who knows? Uh, but, uh, yeah, Cleveland, I mean, I don't know. It's just that place. I feel bad for those people, the dog pound, you know. Cleveland certainly does not rock sports-wise. There might be the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame there, but that's about the only – the only sweet music they get to hear very very often. It's not uh, certainly not from their sports teams, so it I, I feel bad for them, I really do. But uh I just I cannot figure out why they uh they just can't get this thing turned around and it it you you would like to think that coach just maybe needs to struggle for two years and then maybe you can turn some things around, but I mean they haven't given anybody over two years in a long time, is that right, Nick?
0: Yeah, I believe Romeo Cornell was the last coach that uh, had more than two seasons in Cleveland.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, interesting thing, too, on the coaches. Did you know Todd Bowles is like the first in the last three head coaches, three of the last four head coaches for the Jets in the first year made the playoff? And Todd Bowles now has the distinction of being the first one to, uh, to miss it this first year, which is crazy to me. I cannot believe – That team didn't make the playoffs obviously they're at fault for losing you know the final week but that's that's such a great team up and down and what Fitzpatrick Mr. Fitzmagic was such a great story and now now Todd Bowles has to deal with deal with that in New York I I mean obviously he's not on the hot seat yet but uh uh I guess that's what happens when you're in a tough division uh and, and you know Rex Ryan really enjoyed that too but uh Inter- just an interesting note there um what uh ooh, we should be having brian on the line momentarily and there he is a minute early punk actually he was three minutes early so let's not let's get technical about this he was three minutes early and uh so we are going to patch him through one that right now brian are you there
1: i am guys what's going on
3: good it is brian sweet the uh daily assassin here on staff uh Chances are if you read uh read Brian's articles throughout this year you probably uh probably got some green uh because of Brian. So uh uh thank you Brian for uh, for doing what you do for the site. We really appreciate it. Thank you for being back on the show.
1: I'll enjoy every minute of a man looking forward to Wild Card weekend. Yeah,
3: so let it- a little bit different here. Obviously, there's less players, and the first couple of weeks are really the only ones that are uh, a daily relevant as you know less less and less teams. But uh, what kind of uh, what kind of approach should people be taking uh, for uh, for daily for daily fantasy here in this week? I mean, obviously, it's kind of a sit, sit or stardom type of type of thing here. But what kind of approach should people be
1: taking? Well, you know, a lot of people I think mistakenly feel like with fewer options at each of the positions, it might be a, a good week for daily fantasy players to take advantage, you know, less chance of hitting on some random running back or some random wide receiver that only a small portion of the people have. But in, in reality, um, the the professional daily players, if you will, have even more of an advantage in a smaller field because they have the ability to input a lot of lineups, they can uh, utilize uh, their, their larger bankroll to get a lot of players. So I think the first thing that people need to look at coming into this weekend is even though you've only got eight, really realistically, eight quarterbacks to choose from, um, you know, the odds of hitting on a, a sleeper running back or sleeper wide receiver diminish considerably because there are fewer ones to aim for. So uh, the first thing I guess I want to encourage people is don't expect to go in with uh, an advantage this week because there's there's fewer players. In reality there may be a disadvantage for novice players. So I wanted to say that first, uh just so people understand that this is a uh, a very analytical uh system that daily fantasy is. So um you know the more entries that you have I would see the better chance you have a win in in building a, a competitive lineup. So that's the I think it's the first consideration obviously is just understand that there is a, a much smaller um, base of people to choose from. That being said, it, it also um, can be a little bit to your advantage because you don't have to do quite as much research. Uh, you you can look at the matchups and, and probably eliminate a handful of players right off the, the bat that you, you there's no reason to really have on your team um, for whatever reason. You know maybe it's a, you know a, a backup tight end for for Washington. I mean Jordan Reed's going to get all the, the targets. You don't have to worry about that guy. So uh, those probably the two most important things for this week, is understand that you're playing against people who are going to have a lot of lineups out there, and ownership percentages are going to be a lot higher for each of these players, so it comes down to finding maybe one guy that's going to differentiate you from everybody else, and that's going to be harder to do this week.
3: So You're telling me there's seven other quarterbacks besides Kirk Cousins that people actually would consider. I mean, isn't he? He's got to be the best player. I, I would imagine maybe his value's still. I don't know. I don't play daily, like, you, but I would imagine maybe his value's still a little bit down in terms of maybe, you know, a good a good value. But I think I I just think if I look, I think he's going to have the best game. That's just what I think. What, what do you think?
1: Sure. You know, and that's, I, I've kind of sat down at the two main sites, the fan doing DraftKings, and looked at pricing and value and stuff. And he's, he's right up there. He's probably number one or number two uh, as far as value goes. Now I, I think that Russell Wilson's probably going to have more points. I think he's going to score more than Kirk Cousins. Um, but uh, I think, like you said, from a value standpoint, I think Cousins is going to bring more bang for your buck. Now, on FanDuel, there's only about a $600 difference between Russell Wilson and Kirk Cousins, so the disparity isn't quite as big as it is on DraftKings. On DraftKings, Kirk Cousins is only $5,900. I mean, that's ridiculous for a starting quarterback who really has been playing uh, above and beyond everybody's expectations in the last six weeks, most of that uh, because of the great play from Jordan Reed, but he's getting help from uh, Jamison Crowder, you know, is getting some touches. Matt Jones is going to be back this week. Uh, is a great receiver out of the backfield. So I'm right with you on that one, man. My first uh, gut lineup that I put together, Kirk Cousins and Jordan Reed are my first two guys I plugged in, and I think that uh, you can't go wrong with either one of them this week. Okay. Um,
3: one one other question I just kind of had about this whole, the whole daily thing right now, and, and I'll let Nick fire away after this, but I do feel like maybe as a whole less points are scored in the NFL playoffs, and I think – I think it's more so the same in these first couple rounds, and maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I just feel like that's kind of traditionally how it goes. And what what does that mean to uh, to DFS right now? I mean, does that make you think a little bit differently about certain type of players?
1: Sure, I think say I think um, kind of to, to maybe expand on that point a little bit. I think that you know at this point now it's winner go home for for NFL teams, so. They're not willing to take as many chances, maybe downfield, throwing a jump ball into double coverage um, and stuff like that, which I think is going to reduce uh, the points maybe incrementally. I don't know how big of a disparity it is. I didn't really do the research on that. Um, But really when it comes down to it, still with daily fantasy, you're still looking at value. Who's going to bring you the most points or the the best return on your investment? Um, And the best source of that really is the Vegas odds makers and the over unders on on the games. You can kind of see, you know, what their feelings is and which are going to be the higher scoring games versus the lower scoring games. I think everybody knows Seattle, Minnesota probably is going to be a relatively low scoring game. I mean you've got two of the top five scoring defenses in the NFL facing off against each other. Um, you know, Pittsburgh and Cincinnati looks like it might be a bit of a higher scoring game. So, uh trending towards that, you know, those games, they're gonna make sense and if, you know if which the article gets up a little later on this week, you're going to see probably that the majority of players you're not going to see very many Minnesota Vikings, you're not going to see very many hawks Seahawks uh, because that's projected to be a lower scoring game. But there's going to be some some Redskins on there because they're they're going to you know play against a weaker defense. You might see a couple of Packers on there, you know some some Chiefs maybe that's going to be their low scoring game. Obviously, you got to look at the Steelers passing offense so. Point total do have an impact, um, and in, in just a four-game slate, it's easier to kind of go. Well, I can I can look over gloss over this game because the over/under on it's only 31. Okay, Nick, do you have any questions there for Brian?
0: Uh, yeah, I was wondering uh, this time of year, especially with uh, such a limited pool of players to select from, if you would prefer to play a hotter player over a more talented guy. Uh, for example, would you maybe think about going Doug Baldwin for the Seahawks? over A.J. Green, who uh, obviously A.J. Green is a better player, but Doug Baldwin's just been on such a role lately.
1: Sure. I mean, you, you've got to look at recent trends. Um, you just said that old saying, you know, once is it maybe an anomaly, twice is a coincidence, three times. Now we've got a pattern. Um, and Doug Baldwin for the last half of the season, and you can compare it directly to Russell Wilson. I mean, those two guys have been arguably the hottest one of the hottest quarterbacks and wide receivers in football, I'm not discounting Antonio Brown in any way. Um, but for value purposes, yeah, I, I agree 100%. Now, that being said, Doug Baldwin's price has started to creep up into that, uh, you know, is he worth the value territory? I mean, right now, uh, this week on Sandville he's sitting at $7,300. Um, you look at a guy like uh, James Jones or Jeremy Macklin, they're at $5,700 and 7200 respectively. Um, you know, Macklin, I think, is the better value between those two. But if you know if you're coming down to Baldwin versus uh, Martavis Bryant, who I think is sixty nine hundred dollars this week, you, you got to lean towards Baldwin and and try and save that four find that four hundred dollars savings somewhere else, uh, just because of the the role that he's been on the last six or eight weeks. Who's one
3: player out there that you kind of think maybe you know maybe kind of the under radar guy that could potentially do do some da- real damage this week.
1: Um, you know the the as far as value goes, pricing versus what I think they're capable of, uh, I think Matt Jones is a guy that you really gotta take a hard look at this week. He missed last week with an injury. Um there's a little bit of recency bias that goes into that where you know what have you done for me lately? He might be forgotten about, uh especially with the way Kirk Cousins and Jordan Reed have been playing. Um but I really think that Matt Jones is gonna Take the starting role in that game he's going to have some success against that green bay defense is going to be a, a key cog in the passing game um and that's that's probably the one player that if i said you need to put him in all of your lineups matt jones is probably going to be at the very nearly close to the top of that list okay
3: nick what do you think about all this talk about your redskins what are you, you buying into it yet yeah, I, I think I'm too
0: biased to have an opinion. I, I really hope that they can have some success right now, and I'm definitely glad we got to play Green Bay and not Seattle. But uh, yeah, I guess we'll see.
3: Okay, I want to do something, and I just I just remembered it, and I don't I want to do it so we don't forget about it, and I want to tell everybody out there listening that nobody is prepared for this, but we know what's going to happen, and I know Nick's probably thinking about it in the back of his mind, but we'll let we'll let Brian. Answer first, and then we'll let Nick go since it's really in his camp. Now, sure. Obviously, as the off-season approaches, I think you're. We're, I probably. I'm. I'm positive that the Redskins are going to pony up and pay Kirk Cousins. So, because we can't do this podcast the moment that happens, I want to get Nick's initial reaction when when it does happen. So we're going to gotta look into the future here. We'll get Brian to go first. And then Nick's going to go first. But let's say news breaks two months from now, Cousins gets a five-year deal. I don't know what the money's going to be, but it's you got to think it's going to be franchise-style, franchise QB money. I would, I would imagine. I just think this is going to happen, and I want to get Nick's initial reaction to when it's going to happen. So we'll get Nick to think just a few minutes. What do you think about that news, Bry?
1: Do we think it's going to
3: happen? Is that what you're asking? <laughs> no, it's going to happen. I've already decided it's going right. to happen. What is your response to it? Is it, a, is it a mistake? Is it is it smart? Have they actually found something in Cousins? What do you think?
1: Sure. Uh, you know, if you're asking me, I think that you, you've got to – if you've got an established quarterback and he's done – I mean, even when he came in in previous season when RG3 went down, uh, he's proven that he can do it. And this year he's proven I mean, granted, 8 and eight's not the best record – but you got a division win out of it. You got a home playoff game. Um, franchise money. You know, I'm I'm thinking if you can get them at five years, forty mil, eight mil a year. I think that's probably about as high as I would go. Um, but I, I, I'm with you. I think it's going to happen, and I think that it's going to be good for the Redskins, especially if they can keep Gruden around. He, he seems to be uh, the key cog in all of this.
3: All right, Nick. Well, Brian, Brian was so bold as to throw some money out there. Well, what do you, What do you think?
0: I think if it, it, that kind of money, $40 million, the Redskins would do that in a heartbeat. I don't think he's going to settle for that low, especially when you look at guys like Ryan Tannehill in the $100 million range. You know, if we can get a contract similar to what the Dolphins gave Tannehill, you know, $100 million, but a contract that's somewhat easy for the team to get out of after a couple of years, I think that would be alright. Uh, if it's something to where the team is definitely for sure locked in for five years, I would be a little more hesitant there. Just it's such a small sample size where he's played at the elite level, I would be, I would be a little hesitant to completely break the bank to get, keep him. But I don't think they
3: have a choice; they have to keep him at this point. Did you just use the word "elite" and cousins in the same paragraph, there, Nick? I think you're <laughs> starting to believe it at finally there. But sorry. Uh, but thank you for <laughs> more questions for Brian about about daily this week. Now that we've already gone off off script.
0: Well, I was wondering, are there any uh, rules that you tend to adhere to, like uh, leaning towards home teams or leaning towards teams with playoff experience? And I know in the NFC, those two rules would completely contradict each other. But are there any guidelines like that that you tend to follow?
1: Um, you know, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, you, you mentioned recent recent trends and how players are playing. I think that will play a small factor in some of it. Uh, I think the biggest factor for this week is uh, is going to possibly be weather. Uh, especially in that Seattle-Minnesota game, you know, still playing it outdoors. That might be an issue. Uh, I don't know what D.C. is looking at uh, coming in this weekend. So um, there's three games that are going to be played in the elements. Uh, So we'll kind of be tracking the weather and see how that goes. Uh, You want to maybe lean a little towards home teams some, um, but I think that the biggest factor outside of weather is going to be uh, total points, you your over-unders maybe in some of the Vegas lines. Uh, you want the teams that are going to score points. That's what relates to success in daily fantasy. So um, the other thing I would say is, is the only other rule that maybe I would adhere to in the bigger tournaments, the, the big top prize money tournaments, is stacking a, a quarterback with uh, his primary receiver, uh, Kirk Cousins and Jordan Reed or Russell Wilson, Doug Baldwin. Uh, you may be hard-pressed to get a or Antonio Brown, uh, stack in there with their prices they're commanding this week, but that's uh, always a good way, if you think the quarterback can have a good game, hey, double up the points and hit his number one receiver. Okay, yeah, I like,
3: we talked about that, I think, the first time you were on, about uh,
1: mm-hmm. stacking,
3: and that does sound, sound like a very good idea, especially, uh, especially for this week here, I think you can certainly uh, get away with that, and um, I don't know how this has become the Kirk Cousins show, but yeah, the Cousins to Jordan Reed connection is it's for real, and I mean, you look at you look at Jordan Reed, and maybe this is this is a, a tale for uh, you know all these draft nicks out there who want those tight ends that are six five two fifty. I mean, look at Jordan Reed six two 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 thirty. So he, re- I mean, he really is just just a big wide receiver. I mean, this wide receiver is bigger than him in this league, but when he lines up at tight end. Yeah, he doesn't have the height advantage like he does, but he is such an athletic mismatch for just about anybody. And it's not like he is this huge freak athlete. It's just people are are not used to what, what he can do. And, and they're just – I mean, gosh, this guy healthy. is is He's a top five tight end in my mind in dynasty formats and, and, and even redraft next year. So I just – I really like that connection. So I guess play – Wayne Jordan Reed. Uh any more thoughts there, Brian, that you wanted to share before we let you go?
1: Uh no, just uh, good luck to anybody who decides to uh take their shot out in the Daily Space this week and look for the article. Uh probably going to get that out on try it out on Friday this week since we got some Saturday games. Okay, yeah.
3: I love love reading your stuff, Brian, and thank you for coming back, and I should warn you, sometimes I'd like to make an exception for for DFW people, but I didn't have the computer no, or the computer chops this morning. We'll say to do it, but when you come back for the third time, you get a musical intro. That's that's me and Nick's rules. Uh, so if you got next time I call you back, you need to you need to figure out what, to, what to, you know. It's it's professional wrestling. What song you walking up to? That's that's what we want for you. All right.
1: Man, what's with all the pressure? Seriously, all of a sudden.
3: <laughs>
1: you got time. <laughs> I'm just saying.
3: Just think about it. Next we'll time, do it. next time we'll i go calling.
1: All, all right. right, I'm looking forward to it.
3: All right, cool. Thanks, Brian. Have a great day. Thanks. Oh, awesome stuff there from Brian Sweet. Um you can you can follow Brian at uh, at uh Fantasy Freak FF, F- Excuse me. I got it from here. Yeah, Fantasy Freak FFW on Twitter. Read his articles, great stuff. And it's it's nice to have somebody to uh to talk to. I I've, I've often used his advice and. I do play a little daily here and there. I just play uh, head-to-head games against my son, and Henry actually usually beats me all the time, so I, I, I need to obviously speak with Brian more, but uh, uh, always, always great stuff there uh, from so many DFW. Again, that's just another way that DFW rocks, because we have people on, that, like staff, on our staff that we can always turn to and get, get us great things. Um, sorry to talk about Kirk Cousins so much, but we did. Um, I thought it would be kind of fun, Nick. Um usually like i said we didn't have a podcast last week but uh we usually usually when the podcast is over i kind of i kind of clear my head and then next thursday you know the, the day after the wednesday podcast i usually start prepping for the next one and i wrote these down a while ago but uh actually they've come to uh, come some interesting points, but I thought we would play a little would you rather as uh, there's some coaching vacancies out there. Now, some of these are, and obviously I didn't know that there were going to be both some both of them up, but I had actually added one too. I had a San Francisco versus Cleveland here, Nick, so you're going to have to think on that one here. But I thought we'd play would you rather as these coaching vacancies are up. Now, some of these guys don't need coaches, but some of them do. But just kind of looking at their rosters as a whole, Nick, would you rather take over – And Again, these aren't coaching vacancies. They're not breaking news here, (laughs) but some of them are. Would you rather take over the Oakland Raiders or the Atlanta Falcons solely just based on what their roster is right now? Oakland or Atlanta, what do you think?
0: Well, this one's really close. In my opinion, it's the closest of the uh, arguments we're going to have here, but I I, I think I'll take Oakland. Uh, I think. I just think there's way more upside. Uh, Murray Cooper can grow to be every bit as good as Julio Jones, and he has less injury history than Julio. Crabtree, I think, is a far better uh, wide receiver, too, than Roddy White. They've got better tight ends. And while Matt Ryan is good, he's also getting older, and it's not like he's won championships or anything like that. But Derek Carr, I think, has a chance to uh, be that championship type of quarterback. Uh, and on defense, uh, the cornerback, David Amerson, has developed into a very good player. Uh, he's one of Pro Football folks' top ranked corners, which is very surprising to me, as bad as he was when he was playing in DC. But he's really developed there with the Raiders. Uh, but the guy that really tips the scales to me on the Raiders side is Fulio Mack. He's already amongst the top edge rushers in the game. Fifteen sacks this year, including five sacks in the win over Denver in Week 14. Uh, the good news for Atlanta is that their young defender, Vic Beasley, could develop into the same p- kind of player, but he's not
3: there yet. So I would have to go with the Raiders. Yeah, I think I'm not really going to answer that one because you, you know where my heart's going to be. It's, it's too hard for me to answer that one. Uh, I don't know. Really, I, yeah, I just can't answer that one. So obviously, you know where I would go, and uh, yeah, you got to look at the younger, the youth, the youth there, and what uh, what they present. I think is the is the real key there. So um, let's go, let's just move on to the next one here. Um, technically, I guess I'm a little surprised that both. Technically, I don't know why I said that. I'm surprised that both these teams are are actually available. But uh, the Philadelphia Eagles or the New York Giants roster, uh, and I'd love to i love to pin Nick by trying to choose two against his division foes. But what do you got for me? Who do you who do you hate more?
0: Uh, well, just going off the roster, because obviously, if you take over the Giants' job, you have that New York media to deal with. But just going off the roster, I have to go with the Giants. Anytime you have a proven quarterback like Eli With one of the top pass catchers in the game Odell Beck Jr., that gives you a huge Edge over a team whose quarterback's biggest Accomplishment was staying healthy this year And whose number one receiver dropped the ball more Than he caught it, according to Eagles fans anyway They really don't like Jordan Matthews Right now, but uh, now I admit The Philadelphia front seven, one healthy Is pretty good, Uh, you got Fletcher Cox Tico Alonzo, Jordan Hicks Connor Barwin, but their secondary Is extremely weak, whereas the Giants have A young safety we both like a lot in land And Collins, and they got better cornerbacks as well. Dominic Rogers, Cromartie, Prince, and Lupo Both those guys are better than anybody Philadelphia has. You know, I think both of these teams, with good off seasons, could compete for the playoffs in 2016. But I think the Giants are just a little bit closer.
3: Oh, that Giants
0: defense is
1: brutal. I
3: know they have some guys that contributed IDP wise, but and and obviously, I love Lane and Collins, but that. There's just not a lot of continuity there, and that uh, frustrates me even more about Desmond King, um, as I was maybe talking about Giants and them in my mock draft that I'm writing. But uh, I think that's certainly a cornerback is a huge position they need. But I I think I would lean Giants too, just because you're when you look at Philadelphia, you're looking like I said earlier, looking at a bunch of people that were brought in for a specific reason and a imp- specific scheme um i do honestly in in the deepest parts of my heart not my head but the deepest parts of my heart think that Philly ultimately signed DeMarco Murray just to piss Dallas off and whether who won that situation or not we i guess we'll, I guess nobody did cuz neither team made the I don't uh, I don't know what what you have to what you're going to do with that i mean there's just I joked a couple weeks ago that uh Tip Kelly was gonna trade DeMarco Murray for uh uh Dion Sins, much like he did with uh with LaShawn and uh Kiko Alonso there. But uh uh yeah, just there's just so much to clean up there in Philadelphia. I love a couple of the like three major pieces they have on defense there in Fletcher Cox, Benny Logan and Malcolm Jenkins. It's just an absolute beast in the back end. Uh but they just they just they're lacking in in things versatility. I think like I said everybody's brought there for a specific reason where I feel like the Giants have drafted just basically the best player in the first couple of rounds over the last few years, so I think there's certainly more to work with there. Uh in uh in New York. But uh yeah that that, that media certainly does not help it by any means. Um next one here. Sorry. Lost Minnesota or Green Bay? I knew, I knew. this wrote this one obviously before last week, but uh, what do you think? I mean, we got one of the best quarterbacks in the league, so it's kind of hard to move off of that. But there's no denying that how awesome this Minnesota defense is right now, and and the use they have. I oh, it's it's but you, got, you got to imagine they're just going to get better as the years progress. What do you think about Minnesota or Green Bay?
0: I think it has to be Green Bay. I like Teddy Bridgewater, but he's, what, like a top-15 quarterback? Whereas you'd be hard-pressed to find three better quarterbacks than Aaron Rodgers, who may be in a little bit of a funk right now. I don't know if he's dealing with an undisclosed injury or maybe it's just a slump for him. But we've seen him, when he's right, be one of the very best in the league. Uh, Adrian Peterson, he's a rushing champ, but any day now his age is going to catch up with him. So I'd prefer to have the two younger backs, Starks and Lacey. Uh, Randall Cobb is a better wide receiver one than Stephon Diggs. and Both teams. I think are equally thin after that, it, unless Jordy Nelson comes back at 100% next year. And then obviously a huge edge to Green Bay, a wide receiver. On defense, Minnesota definitely has an edge, but the coverage is not bare in Green Bay. Clay Play Matthews is still one of the better linebackers in the NFL, whereas uh, Bor- Morgan Burnett, Sam Shields, Casey Hayward, and first round picks, Demarius Randall, and Ha Clinton Dix form a pretty decent secondary, but really it boils down to quarterback. Bridgewater has the potential, yes. He's winning games, yes, but a quarterback can't be judged solely on their win-loss record. Remember, Tampa Bay's quarterback Sean King went 14-7 and in his first two years, largely due to a very solid team around him. It uh, could be the, sort of the same situation with Teddy Bridgewater. And Bridgewater could develop into that franchise-type quarterback, but it's also possible he just ends up
3: being game manager. Yeah, I do feel like people are a little hard on Bridgewater, and I feel like I too maybe expected a little bit more out of him. But you also have the best running back in the NFL and he returned to that. I mean, he had twenty more touches than any other player in the league. I mean, I know that's you know, one one game's worth, but I think that is impressive. So And obviously, you know, a- AP's not gonna be there for the long haul for Minnesota. But I still gotta go Minnesota and, and the reason I choose that over having the franchise QB like Rodgers and I know he's not you know he's he's only right around the 30 mark so he certainly could have six to eight years left I just feel like I also expected a little bit more out of Aaron Rodgers I saw Jordy Nelson get hurt this preseason and I thought whatever that doesn't mean anything they're not going to miss a beat I thought it was just going to be next man up Devontae Adams and, and they'll just do it because Rodgers I thought was one of those type of players that just makes those around him better. And they have some definite things that they need to fix with that team where I feel like Minnesota, is just hot. They had that team, that defense, like I said, is awesome and they're only getting better. And I feel the same way about Bridgewater where he's not an elite quarterback right now. And I don't know if he's ever going to be like a top three quarterback. I certainly, certainly think he can enter like the top eight conversation as as the years progress they have Stefan Diggs who already looks like a two or three year pro who we're going to talk about here in a second um uh as we get to the dynasty dilemma which i forgot to tease earlier John Brown versus Stefan Diggs um and they have some other young wide receiver pieces um there too i, I like McKinnon what he's doing he's finally finally got himself in the end zone and i just yeah i just i got i got to go minnesota in that uh Last one, and if you thought Giants versus Eagles was bad, San Francisco or Cleveland? What do you think? I
0: think I'd take any job over the Cleveland job, especially just given the amount of turnover that they have had in the recent history. You pretty much know you're only going to get two seasons to try to turn a team around, That. Hasn't been successful in, what, decades? Uh, whereas San Francisco, they've got a little bit of talent to work with. Uh, Carlos Hyde and Mike Davis, a couple of young, uh, pretty decent running backs there. Uh, Eric Armstead, the first-rounder on the defensive line. Uh, some young talent in the secondary with Eric Reed, Jimmy Ward, Tart. Um uh, You know, they've got a few pieces there in San Francisco to work with. Plus, I would say Blaine Gabbert played better this year than uh, than we saw out of the Cleveland quarterbacks. So uh, I think I would lean to the 49ers.
3: I don't think it's going to happen, Nick. But what, what if you were to get that job and somehow convince convince him and the staff to keep Colin Kaepernick? What do you if you're going to convince him to stay there and the staff? Would you would you reconsider now that you think you maybe have at least a piece to work with there at quarterback, and maybe you can try to draft one here in the next couple of years and not rush into it? Uh, You know, what? personally, I'm not a Colin Kaepernick believer.
0: So I I would actually, just me, I would prefer Blaine Gabbert at this point over Colin Kaepernick. I know I'm probably in the minority for saying that, but that's my opinion.
3: Yeah, and with the fact, I mean, he was basically benched, so they didn't have to pay him bonus monies, what what it really boiled down to. So you can't imagine that he's going to be back there next year, but... uh, I can't imagine San Francisco would be very happy if Clayton Gabbard was their week one starter. I mean, I know he showed a little bit, but uh, he is not a starting quarterback at this at this level. And that being said, Cleveland doesn't really have one either. And it's hard for, a you know, on one hand, I think a first-year head coach would love to go to a team, draft a quarterback in the first round, you know, if you're so lucky to have a decent quarterback, quarterback class like we have this year. and but still, you're starting with a rookie quarterback, and you know it's not going to. I mean, you know it's not going to be a, a 12 to 14 win team when you have a rookie quarterback. I mean, if you're eight and eight, you're doing a hell of a job. I think with a rookie quarterback, uh, you know, I think most people consider Winston and Mariota to have to have successful seasons this year, and either one of those teams made the playoffs. So, I think both of those guys are going to be great NFL quarterbacks too as the years progress. So that's, that's what you're going to deal with the first year. You're obviously going to have some woes. So, um, I, but I guess I'm supposed to pick a side here. I think I would go Cleveland. I like, I like some of the pieces they have. And I think they, because they have been bad for so long, I think the, all the, the maybe everybody on this roster has just been, a little bit more experienced than maybe some people on the San Francisco roster. And I don't know if I'm explaining that accurately. I just feel like you're going to get, you're going to go in a situation where you have a lot of, a lot of guys that know that if they play their head off this summer, that they're going to get, they're going to get in the game. And they, they're going to, they're going to, there's not a set depth chart there. So I think you're going to, you're going to have a, a lot, a bit more of a hungrier crew, especially considering you're going to be drafting high again uh, in the NFL draft. So I'd, I would love to get a head coaching job right now and have seven picks, that's for sure. Uh, but let's move a little forward to uh, our dynasty dilemma. Uh, we're also going to have some trade reflections. I'm going to have some prospect profiles for you as well. And then ATS time with Chuck Budaisky coming up. Um, sorry about the rocky beginning, but we I think we're finding some great footing here now that we've got our Kirk Cousins' love out of the out of, this, out of the air, but each and every week we do a little something that we like to call uh, uh, Dynasty it's where we pit two uh, players against each other and just kind of talk about who we would take and why and what we think about uh, their futures, but this week we did uh, John Brown versus Stefan Diggs, as I, as I mentioned earlier. And I, I had the chance to go first, so I will go, to choose first, so I will go first as I chose uh, Stefan Diggs. See. Uh, all right. John Brown versus Stefan Diggs. I chose Stefan Diggs. Um, While well, John Brown is faster, possibly a better dancer, uh, and he has one more year of experience over the seemingly blue-collar Diggs, I still choose Diggs. Why is now the question you're probably asking yourself. I think it's pretty simple to me. Diggs already looks like a two- or three-year pro, and guess what? He's only going to get better, just like this whole Vikings team. He's only going to get better. Diggs is already a wide receiver, too, and no one will be surprised at all if he leads the Vikings in receiving next year. He has a young quarterback he can grow with, and why I called him seemingly blue-collar before – I actually think he is a rather dynamic player. Just watch his college tapes. I see those moves shining through as his career progresses. Uh, remember, this guy t- t- had a lot of injuries his the last year there at Maryland. And I think, you know, if he would have came out the year before, if he was able to come out the year before, he
2: probably would have been a
3: first-round pick. Um, but, uh yeah, if you watch the college tape, maybe maybe dial it back a couple of years on the college tape and just watch some of the things he was able to do in the return game and just some of the things he was able to do for that offense. Basically, he could be so much more than the pretty solid product that we that we've seen from him in this his rookie season. I love John Brown, and I don't know, I, but I don't know if we're going to see much more than we've already seen from him already. I mean, he's already shown us some good things, but I don't know if he's going to go beyond that. I don't and maybe i'm wrong in that aspect but i don't think he's the next antonio brown or anything that special. He's a he's very good. He's a very good infrequent matchup prop, but is he, he elite? Is he a hall of famer? Is he special? question mark question mark question mark. I also believe no matter what happens with Arizona this season there's about a 75% chance that Carson Palmer calls quits. If the cards win the Super Bowl, like i predicted if the cards win the Super Bowl, i think i think Palmer is done i think he's hanging it up and that is it that will leave brown with exactly who at quarterback in the prime of his career meanwhile Diggs will be entering the top 20 wide receiver discussion and his top 12 status will be on its way to solidification. nick what do you got for us and john brown
0: well john brown is a guy i'm very excited about when you look at a young wide receivers numbers you want to see the bump from year one to year two We saw that in Brown's numbers across the board, 17 more catches, 300 more yards, more touchdowns, and up almost a full yard per catch, up to 15.4 yards per catch. Now, John Brown was very reliable from a fantasy perspective in the second half of the season. From weeks 11 through 16, he either had 100 yards or a touchdown in every single game. Now, barring a Super Bowl win, I think Carson Palmer's going to be back. And with David Johnson now with a year of experience, this offense could be even more high-powered than they were this season, when the team was second in the NFL with 489 points. Now, some people think that Diggs will be Minnesota's wide receiver one for long term. I'm not quite sold on that, you know, and Minnesota shouldn't be either. In Weeks 6, 7, and 8, Diggs had a 95 yards or little more each week with two touchdowns in that span. But Diggs didn't find the end zone again in the next six weeks and never had another 70-yard game. Uh, I think the best argument for Stephon Diggs is he's a decent buy-low candidate if his owner started him in the championship game, as uh, Diggs in week 15 had three catches and two touchdowns, but in week 16 in the championship, four catches, 19 yards, zero touchdowns. Maybe his owner owner, uh, holds a little bit of a grudge there. But I think Stephon Diggs, you know, even if he is the wide receiver one, he's going to forever be hamstrung by uh, Teddy Bridgewater, who right now looks like he could be Alex smith White. No disrespect intended. Both Alex Smith and Teddy Bridgewater are playoff quarterbacks this year. But, you know, Teddy does have games like last week. It was a must-win game, and he won, but he did it with under 100 yards passing. And, you know, Diggs could have better value, but I think in just a head-to-head conversation, I don't think it's close. I would have
3: to go John Brown. Okay yeah i just just a short rebuttal i just don't know if john brown's ever going to be a wide receiver one i know i know it's hard to pick on this easy to pick on the short guys i just don't know and i do hear what you're saying make some very very valid points i just don't know where and where he got better this year he also had carson palmer this year well which is something that he was lacking most of the year last year so uh that being said he did do pretty well with some backup quarterbacks too so he 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 does present a a lot of a lot of good things so um i don't own either one of those players and i wish i really did so we'll we'll leave it at that. um let's do a little trade reflection here nick i'm not sure i just wrote down a couple and um uh so there and there's some more that I I'd like to talk about too but maybe we'll do do that uh maybe some other things open up here but um uh so first one I wrote down is I traded James Jones for a fifth James Jones and a fifth round pick for Robert Woods and a third. Now this doesn't seem like a very exciting trade. Um and I wish I wrote down the data when this happened but after this happened I can assure you that James Jones did not have very some very good games the first month after that and I traded him into uh, you know, a possible contender and I was able to gain Robert Woods and a third round pick and Woods is a certain, a player that I like a whole lot. So obviously as time told after that I made that trade, I think it worked out pretty good in my favor, wouldn't you say wouldn't you say?
0: Uh, yeah, especially when we don't know what James Jones is gonna his value is he's gonna be moving forward. If he leaves Green Bay again, then he's pretty much worthless as from a fantasy perspective. Whereas, you know, you, you moved up a couple of rounds getting that third round pick and Robert Woods is a guy who, uh, playing opposite Sammy Watkins there in Buffalo could have a bright future.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh did you have any trades written down there, Mike?
0: Uh well, the trade worked out great for me. Uh, in uh, maybe about a quarter of the way through the season, I traded away AJ Green in a first round pick and picked up Antonio Brown in a third round pick. That trade may be the biggest reason that I won a championship in that league. Would not you agree?
3: Uh yeah, I mean, it's that's one of those things in the in the off season. I think that trade would have been looked at. I don't know a little bit. Cl- little bit more closely, but I don't think it's... um. Obviously when Antonio Brown's going off and some people... It almost looks like unfair because, I mean, who knows what what, what that player's going to get with that first round pick. You know, and it's... You traded it an elite wide receiver and you still got another pick in return and it's not like uh, Yeah, it's not like anybody's going to get... Uh, the next Antonio Brown, I don't think that's going to happen there in this draft. I don't think they're that wide wide receivers in this class. Um, and I think this wide receiver class is I said it last night on Twitter and I'll say it again here. Cause I think it was a great statement. I know I'm pumping my own chest, but I think there's a lot of Terrence Williams in this draft and a non, not too many dead brands. I think that's, there's a couple of top end guys that I really like. I like Michael Thomas out of Ohio state and, uh, and Tyler Boyd out of uh, Pitt. But uh you look at a guy like Laquan Treadwell, who a lot of people think is the first wide receiver going, and I just, I just see kind of a Terrence Williams clone there. So I just think there's, I don't think there's necessarily an elite. Maybe, maybe we'll see one, but there's a lot of, a lot of just contributing wide receivers in this draft. So um, another one that I wrote down, I am almost embarrassed to talk about it, but it was about two weeks into the regular season. Um, I traded uh, Martavius Bryant, who was currently suspended, and he had that weird news about he was being addicted to marijuana, and I just thought, God, this could end up being a very bad Justin Blackman, Josh Gordon-type situation. Obviously, it wasn't. Um, I t- took a chance, but I traded Martavius Bryant and Jalen Strong for Melvin Gordon services. And uh, if in case you didn't know, And I can assure you this is the case. Melvin Gordon didn't even sniff the end zone during his disappointing rookie season. And by that I mean I think Danny Woodhead was one of the league leaders in red zone touch. So Gordon didn't even have a chance, really. And uh, he didn't even break anything off either. So pretty disappointing year for him. So time told. It's certainly a different tale on that one as somebody probably – Drafted him, you know, either one or two two overall there for Melvin Gordon in the rookie draft, and I traded not one, but two receivers for him. What do you think? I took a chance there, Nick, and it kind of blew up in my face.
0: Well, not every trade didn't work out for you. But, yeah, I mean, everybody, the whole fantasy community was high on Melvin Gordon coming into this season. So it's definitely understandable why why you made that trade. But, yeah, you're right. It didn't really pan out for you.
3: And at the time, I thought I was getting a better end of the deal because, you know, I was assuming that Gordon was just going to take a few weeks to get going and then, you know, explode, you know, 1,400 yards, rookie of the year, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, oh, wait, the Chargers don't have an offensive line or a defensive line for that matter. But uh, uh, it's a good thing we aren't broadcasting in San Diego. Um, <laughs> but uh, so next week, Nick, I think our trade reflections angle will be – Really, we're just going to tell people over and over again not to make trades and tell, that, tell the actual NFL draft because you don't want to get into uh, Trey Mason territory you know we're talking about. But we'll, we'll elaborate on that next week. Um, a couple of prospect profiles I want to get you here before we patch Mr. Chuck Podyski through. Um, he's been waiting patiently. Uh, Shaq, so Shaq Lawson, uh, edge rusher there from Clemson. Um Excellent power pass power pass rusher uh, at this point. Although he will need to develop some finesse moves. He's he's, he's a strong kid, but you know you're not going to throw offensive NFL offensive tackles to the side much like he did in college. He just needs to get a little more finesse there. Uh, but he does set... Sit the edge, well, and he's an absolute bully against the run. So I really like him. Um, I think Nick's team Washington or Oakland are possibly San Diego, who needs some defensive lineup, Need to look up. Need to look at a long-term solution at defensive end, and they should be eyeing Lawson in round one. I think he's mid-round one type of talent. Um, Carson Wentz. I am trying to not get too excited about this guy, but hold on. Uh, most big most big QBs don't stay at smaller schools. You know, you see some guys start at a small school and then move on to a bigger school. And uh, now it certainly wasn't the case. Carson Wentz, six five, two hundred thirty one pounds, North Dakota State Bison. Uh, no one would no one would think the complexities one excuse me one would think the complexities of the NFL game would be a little too much for Wentz to overcome. To be a full-time starter in the pros. However, watching Wentz, you you see a pure pocket who is very nimble, and he throws a very pretty ball. I have, I have, prettiest as balls as I've seen since the barnstorming of Kurt Warner. Excuse me, He throws a prettiest a prettiest balls I've seen since Kurt Warner. I'm not calling him the next Kurt Warner because I said he was nimble, um, but uh, and I'm uh, and I was also very skeptical before I went into watching film on Wentz. I know I've seen some S D S in division two quarterbacks thrive in the n f l but you have to be a very you have to have a special level of poise and that is exactly what wentz has he throws his throws are situationally stunning he can float the ball and rifle rifle. With accuracy, with extreme accuracy. So he's got he's got great range and just kind of understands the moment and what kind of throw he needs to make.
1: Um,
3: if you want a comparison, I think Steve McNair is very close. Another another non Division one QB. Uh, I think that's a very good comparison. There, Steve McNair, of course, out of Elkhorn State. State. Um, but when you watch someone like this from a smaller school, you ex- you expect them. It's expected to be evident that they are the best player on the field, and that's exactly what you see when you watch Wentz. Uh, the big test for Wentz will obviously be the Senior Bowl, as and see how he handles the pressure of FBS edge speed. Um, I see Wentz being able to peak somewhere in round two for teams like Houston, San Francisco, Arizona, possibly, and uh, and St. Louis. I, I think he's. I think he's going to be a. Some people have him in round one, but I think he's certainly gonna be gone uh by round two. Um couple more here. Reggie Reggie Regland. Uh they're not nearly as long as that one. I just really like that one skid. But I like I said, you gotta we gotta watch him against quality quality, bigger bigger opponents, I think. That the uh, senior is gonna be huge for him. Um uh, Reg should be the first first or second uh, I D P guy off the board in rookie drafts. He's thick hipped he's a thick hipped lateral fourth, much like uh, former Alabama l b and current raven c j mostly rags understands the game and he understands the game and, and and any minim any any and he has some maybe some minimal physical shortcomings but you st- that's all erased when you see the kind of football IQ that he has. He just knows where to be. He's always around the ball. Even if he's not making a tackle. Uh, you hear that a lot about those guys, and that's exactly what he is. Uh, teams searching for a gusty leader to patrol and destroy the middle of the field will want to look very hard at Rags because I think he's going to be a mid-round one guy. He, If he's gone, if he's not gone by round one, I I would be totally surprised because he, he's, Easily to me, one of the safest players in this draft. All right, Desmond King. I wrote down just a few words about him. He's going back to college. I'm very upset about it. I'm going to read it anyway, and then I'll read it again next year at this time when he's coming out. King has speed to play man and the awareness to do to do uh, uh, to to cover two and recover in in zone. I think he's just a very impressive player to watch. Uh, he will need to stop. Work at stopping the run, but he is not afraid to get his nose dirty. I I really like cornerbacks that have no problem making tackles. He's always on there. Even if the play is away from him, he's always in pursuit. Uh, What I love about King is that he is ripped. I mean, ripped like a fullback, but he has four or five speed. He's also made over 60 tackles in each of his seasons at Iowa as a starter at cornerback. His eight interceptions made him co-leader in the nation, and scouts are absolutely drilling over him, although not right now. Um, I do think teams like Carolina, Arizona, Oakland, Atlanta, Washington would be stupid not to draft King in the first round next year, obviously. Um, If King makes it out of round one, I will be Totally, totally surprised. And obviously next year he's going to be probably a top 10. Um, so in, any questions there about those about those prospects, Nick?
0: Uh, I've got a couple. And full disclosure, I haven't had a chance to watch the film on these guys, so my questions basically come from scouting reports that I've read. But uh, uh, Carson Wentz, you know, he's a big, strong-armed quarterback. He's a winner, but he's somewhat raw, and he played most of his games against subpar competition. That sounds to me kind of like a poor man's Blake Bortles. Do you think that's a fair comparison?
3: Yeah and I really wish Wentz was Wentz is, his team is playing in the in the FCS championship this Saturday. I really wish he was he and he is currently hurt with the, with the with a finger issue on his non-throwing hand, I believe. Um I really wish he was able to play in that game, but I think what he does senior bowl week, you know, they always talk about how practice is usually more important in the game. I think that's going to go a long way in determining how people ultimately look at him because like I said you want when you watch a player like that you want him to be obvious that he's the best player in the field and I think he certainly is when you watch going him but yeah you want to you want to see him compete against some big boys some guys that can absolutely crush the edge and I think at the senior bowl you're going to see you're going to see how he handles that pressure with you know kind of a, a makeshift offensive line no talented guys just guys that aren't Playing with each other, so that's going to be that's going to be the huge test for Wentz, I think that that Senior Bowl, and he's going to answer answer a lot of doubts. But I still think he's he's not going to get higher than a second round pick. <laughs> any other questions?
0: Yeah, just one more on uh, Reggie Ragland. You mentioned that he's got a little bit of a physical shortcoming. He's not the greatest athlete, and sometimes he can struggle at times against the pass. Uh, is there any concern there that he's strictly a two down player? Because that would really uh, limit his snap count. I know side uh, DP guys really look at the snap counts
3: um that is a fair point but I think as as his career progressed he got he got better in coverage and obviously depends on the coaching situation that he falls into um but I think I think and I, and I do hear you where he could be limited to, to somewhat of two down but he is so good against the run and so so good laterally, like he's not a guy that's gonna wow you with his forty time by any means, but he's so good laterally that I think I think he'll certainly have a he'll have a home in some sub packages, just depending on you know third and long versus third and an obvious passing situation, but not you know not a third and short type of thing. So I I I hear where you're saying that, and I think it maybe maybe like a maybe like a rookie or year two thing where he's somewhat limited. But I think as, as time tells, as time progresses, he's going to, he's going to get smarter and he's going to figure some things out there with Raglan. So, well, Mr. Chuck has been waiting very patiently. He's got some great nuggets for us here on, the uh, on the playoffs, playoffs and how, and how to bet on. So let's patch Mr. Padaisky through Chuck. You... playoffs. Chuck, are you there?
2: playoff? (laughs) You're talking about playoffs? Hey, um, yes, something really, really interesting this year as we head uh, into the uh, into the playoffs, especially the wild card weekend. Um, I uh, read an interesting thing on Sports Memo this week by one of their handicappers named Teddy Covers, and I'm sure a lot of people would have discovered this, you know, as the as the games got closer. But in the first round here in the wild card weekend. The four visiting teams all have quarterbacks who have experience in the playoffs, and all four home teams have play- have uh, quarterbacks who have never played in the playoffs. And that's wow. probably why you'll find that all the uh, all the road teams are favored this week, which will make it, you know, for my money, uh, really, really interesting. Well, in fact, one of the most interesting ever first weekends of the uh, NFL playoffs. Yeah, that
3: is, that is a great that is a great tidbit there. I, I, it does make sense you looking at Whedon, McCarron, Cousins, and Bridgewater. So Minnesota almost made the playoffs last year with Bridgewater. But yeah, well, it, that,
2: it says here that it's, it says here that Brian Hoyer is going to start for Houston. Uh, I, I don't know if that's correct or oh, not. Oh, really? But anyway, as we as we go down the list of them, Ben Roethlisberger has fifteen starts and he's ten and five in the playoffs. Russell Wilson is uh, has eight starts. He's six and two. Aaron Rodgers has eleven starts. He's six and five. And Alex Smith is the only one of those three that has a losing record in the playoffs. He's one and two. Um, on the flip side, Brian Hoyer, AJ McCarron, Teddy Bridgewater, and Kirk Cousins, none of them have ever uh, made a postseason start.
3: Okay. All right.
2: Um,
3: well, what do you got for us? I asked you to come with uh, with a couple things today. What do you got for us on uh, on the, the playoff teams and their Super Bowl odds, Chuck?
2: Yeah, let's look at those first. These were as of last night. Uh, Cardinals and Panthers are both five to two. Now, if you break it down even more, there's uh, there was one um, uh, sports book that had the Cardinals just a slight favorite. Uh, a slight better favorite over the Panthers uh, for the uh, for the Super Bowl title, and the third favorite is the Patriots at three to one. Seahawks are four to one. The Broncos are also four to one. We go down to the Steelers, they're seven to one, and then the uh, the double digits. The Chiefs are fourteen to one. The Bengals are seventeen to one. Packers are twenty to one. Vikings twenty five. Redskins thirty five, and the Texans are fifty five. Now we also can break it down into odds to win each conference. And it's interesting that the Patriots are the third favorite for the Super Bowl, but they're even money to win the AFC. Uh, the Broncos are second at eight to five. Then the Steelers, Bengals, Chiefs, and Texans. Texans are twenty-five to one in the AFC, and in the NFC, Cardinals and Panthers are both five to four. Seahawks are nine to five. Packers are nine to one. Vikings twelve to one, and Redskins are fifteen to one.
3: Hmm. Nick, any any thoughts or surprises there on those, those, those numbers?
0: I'm a little surprised that the Redskins are such a long shot, uh, to be honest with you, just because of how hot they're playing right now. I know they're not on paper, they're not as talented as a lot of those other teams, and they definitely don't have the playoff experience, but they're just really on a roll right now. So I'm a little bit surprised that they're such
1: underdogs.
2: The thing that surprised me is that the teams uh the teams at the top a lot of them are flawed uh the cardinals just lost and I don't know what you make about the Cardinals lost last week, you guys you know like I think honestly they weren't really trying and didn't want to show anything before the playoffs and didn't want to get anybody hurt, but the Cardinals you know seemed to have a chink in their armor last week, the panthers uh seem to be the most solid team going in. Uh Patriots of course with their injuries they they have fatal flaws. The Seahawks got hot at the end of the season and they're 4-1. And of course we all know about you know the troubles of the Broncos with their uh with their quarterback issues and uh whether or not Peyton Manning is going to be able to uh to uh to continue through the playoffs. The Steelers um you know maybe the Chiefs it seems to be it seems to be bottom weighted, you know. I would I, I would like to take a chance on the Steelers, maybe the Chiefs, and uh, and Nick, you're right, maybe the Redskins.
3: Yeah, nothing really sticks out to me. I mean, if you wanna if you wanna have fun and throw throw ten bucks on the teams with the with the longest odds, why not? I mean, you can turn it into a night. A nice payday for you, but uh, you know nothing really sticks out to me. The two teams that I, the team that I really like is Arizona. What? Um, and obviously they had the best odds. What was the Pittsburgh odds again to win the Super Bowl?
2: Steelers seven to one. Seven to one. That
3: that would probably, if I had to make one bet, I would probably go with them. I just think, though, though they didn't look great the last couple weeks. I just think that that is a team with, like you said, what, fifteen. Playoff starts. I bet in Roethlisberger. That is a team, if they get rolling, you don't want to be in their way. And and I do yeah. kind of feel the same way about about Seattle. But it is Seattle is going to have to do it all on the road, which will be interesting.
2: Yeah, and the, the the Steelers I would think would be would be higher odds. You know, maybe ten to one or something if they weren't such a public team. A lot of people like the Steelers, and uh, they are at uh, seven to one. And like I say, you know, just if they hadn't. If they weren't the Steelers, they might be ten, twelve to one. Yeah,
3: yeah that's that's crazy. That's that's a lot of playoff games. Big, Big Ben throughout his career already, and he's he's not uh, he's not the oldest quarterback in the league either. Uh, so we do actually have some games to talk about. Uh, what what do you what do you think? What do you got for us? Why don't we start with uh, Washington and Green Bay because I know Nick is hurt. Er, Eking to to talk about it. What do you
2: got for us? Uh, I was thinking we start with the Saturday games. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay, go ahead. we'll start. Well, this is the you friendly, know what so go I'm going to I'm going to go at it in in this order because this is the order they are on the uh, on the betting sheets here in Las Vegas. All so right. we'll uh, and I, we'll I take hate the lead, to, sir. I Hate to do that. Um, the Chiefs and the Texans are the first game, starting at uh, let's see, East Coast time. I got to transfer everything to East Coast time. Four thirty-five Saturday. Chiefs are favored yes, by sir. 3 over the Chiefs are favored by 3.
3: Okay. why don't can you uh when you say the game you want to give us the over under as well since since we only Yeah, have
2: handful you bet. Games. Uh over under on that game is 40. Oof. Uh not maybe not the lowest number. Maybe over under,
3: but uh jeez. Oh, uh, this it's it's ooh that's a tough one i i i think whoever scores the defensive touchdown will win this game um but i just have a little more faith in kansas city and right? i know that houston defense is uh playing lights out and watch uh watch got the cast off and he's uh he's breaking necks already but i uh i hope he doesn't break somebody's neck i didn't mean to say that but uh he's doing damage he's doing some real damage and uh it's, it's hard to bet bet against them especially with the home team dog but houston i think just as a whole is a little too inexperienced in the playoffs so i'm going to take i'm going to take kansas city minus the three and i also think it'll be under the 40 points what do you think nick
0: well, I agree with you. I'm also thinking Kansas City. I just, yeah, they've got the experience, and Houston just, uh, I mean, they came out of that AFC South. I just, I have no confidence in them against, you know, elite playoffs type teams. So I think Kansas City, especially as hot as they've been in the second half of this year, I think they can win this one pretty easily. And I'm actually going to go the over on this one. 40 points, that's just such a low number. I Uh, Yeah, I look back at the Kansas City playoff game last year. I think it was against the Colts. It was just a high-scoring shootout, Uh, not very typical of a Kansas City type of team. So I I think that this won't go
2: over well. Interestingly enough, the Chiefs' uh, defense has allowed seventeen point nine points this year, on the average. Texas has allowed nineteen point six. Chiefs were third and the Texans were seventh. So the Chiefs overall over the season uh, had a better defense than Texas. Chiefs are better on offense at 25.3 compared to 21.2. But, you know, you kind of got to look at the end of the season. I think Brian Hoyer has things going for the Texans. I just, you know what, if it were three and a half, I'd probably take Texas. Um, I'm going to take the Chiefs in a close game, and I'm just imagining a low-scoring game, although I wasn't prepared to pick the over-unders, but just <laughs> just for the fun, I'll take the uh, the overs on this. And uh, I guess mm-hmm. we sweep that one.
3: hmm A playoff
2: sweep. Get out your brooms. There's a, but they're only
3: playing one game.
2: Uh, not yeah. You hey.
3: figure out what sport we're talking about.
2: That's right. And, and another one, another interesting thing is that, uh, you know, Kansas City is 11-5 this year. They're on a 10-game game. Uh, they're on a ten-game um, winning streak, and you know it's interesting to note that Houston hasn't been too bad at the end of the year either. They are, they have won seven out of their last nine. But when you look at Kansas City, they could uh, they could be a lot better than eleven and five. Remember, they lost that heartbreaker the last second to the Broncos. Uh, that could have been another win. But four of, four of Kansas City's five losses this year have been to teams that are in the playoffs. Wow. Very,
3: very good point there, so uh, moving on to the the other Saturday game, what do you got for us?
2: All right, Steelers are at the Bengals uh you know it's one of those uh three times in a year, and it's too bad that somebody didn't switch the season series. Then we'd be hearing people say, "Boy, it's awfully hard to beat somebody three times in a year." <laughs> The Steelers are three point favorites. The Bengals, interestingly, in the in the season in the regular season, the Bengals won at Pittsburgh and the Steelers won at Cincinnati. But Steelers are three here. It's up from two and a half to start. Oh, sorry. Josh. Over, over over under is forty six and a half.
3: Forty six and a half and and Steelers minus three.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I think it is official that AJ McCarron is starting for Cincinnati. Uh, yeah. So that being said, I I just can't I can't put my faith in there, even though the game is in Cincinnati and you, you'd love to love to see them get off of that snide. What a what a story that would be if AJ McCarron <laughs> gets a, a playoff win, and uh, then they have to go back to Dalton and they lose or whatever. You know you know what you guys know what I'm saying since Dalton hasn't won in the playoffs yet. Uh, but I got I got to go Pittsburgh minus three, and I think I think it'll be over. I think there'll be a lot. I think there'll be a lot of points scored in this one. Uh, Nick, what
2: do you think? Oh, Josh, I got uh, I've got to correct myself on something. It's forty five and a half now. It started out at forty six. It's down to forty five and a half. Sorry. That changes
3: everything. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, what do you got? Yeah, i, I
0: got to agree with you on both counts. You know, if Andy Dalton was playing, and, and even if Andy Dalton was playing this week but coming in cold, I would have a hard time picking Cincinnati. Maybe if Dalton had played Week 17 and gotten the rust off a little bit, the Bengals would have a better shot. But it's just right now the, the, the Roethlisberger to Antonio Brown connection looks to be pretty unstoppable. So i got to go with the Steelers to win and probably the over as well.
2: Hmm. Okay. Cincinnati defense allowed uh, was second in the NFL last uh, this season 17.4 points allowed. Um they they have a good defense. Pittsburgh's got a great offense. Uh but offensively, Kansas City is just uh just 2 tenths of a point behind them in scoring this year. I think AJ McCarron has enough has had enough games so far to uh, to get him comfortable with the offense. I am going to take a chance on the, the home team in a close game in the playoffs. So I'm going to take Cincinnati plus the three points. Okay. Oh, and I, for the heck of it, let's go with the overall, so we'll sweep the over here. All right. Um, Sunday, what do we got for Sunday?
3: Minnesota hosting Seattle.
2: What do you got? Yeah, this is a tough one. Vikings at home. Uh, Seahawks started out at 5.5 points. Uh, it seems a lot of money has come on the Vikings. The Seahawks are down to 4.5 points. And the over-under on this game, let me check that and make sure I get the right one, 39.5 right now. 5 and 39.5? And yeah, and that's interesting because the over-under started at 42. I bet there's some bad weather scheduled for uh, for Minnesota.
3: Uh, yeah, there is some bad weather. And full full disclosure I had an extremely long conversation with uh, uh one of the site owners, Dan Hines, about about this game yesterday. Obviously earlier in the year Seattle went to Minnesota and just totally punched him in the mouth. Kinda kinda surprised, kind of a new guard, old guard type of thing and but obviously since he's gonna excuse me, Minnesota's gonna make some adjustments. And this is the biggest Biggest sp- spread of the weekend, uh, so I I I gotta go, I gotta go with Minnesota. I think that's too many points in this game. I know they got blown out, but they're gonna they're gonna make some adjustments. You're gonna see, uh, exa- like like Dan said, you're gonna see Xavier Rhodes all over Doug Baldwin, uh, uh, and Barr is gonna be a spy on on Wilson, so he's not gonna be able to get his get his uh, his freak on outside the uh, outside the pocket. There, sorry for the awful metaphor. So I, I, I think Minnesota is, keeps this within five, and I, I think they do have a chance to to last second field goal this thing. And uh, against my better judgment, I got to go under that thirty nine and a half points. I know it's a really small total for the NFL, but that's I see this easily being like a thirteen to ten type of game. So uh, no matter who's on the the winning side, it's going to be less than five points. Nick, what do you think? Well, I agree with
0: you on the under. Uh you Chuck, you mentioned the weather. I believe the forecast was for a high of ten degrees that day. So uh yeah, it's gonna be a cold one there. Um I so definitely look for a low scoring game. But I think the Seahawks will come out and win this one. Even at four and a half points. It's a lot of points to, to give, but I, I just I just have to go with the experience. The Seahawks, they've been really playing really good football this last month and you know, a team a team like the Seahawks it's that made Super Bowl runs recently, I, it's hard to bet against them in the playoffs.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to bet against them in the playoffs, but um, I'd like to go against them and, and get four and a half points. Um, by the way, Nick, I just looked it up, and the high is supposed to be zero on Sunday. Oh, and okay. the low is, is going to be minus nine, but they're playing this early, so <clears throat> no way it'll get down to minus nine. <clears throat> Nonetheless, I think the, you know, the, the tendency is to, oh man, this is going to be easy. The Seahawks killed them last time they played there, but this is going to be a different story. I'm going to take the Vikings. I think they'll keep it close. I think they'll probably keep it on the ground with Adrian Peterson, and uh, I'm impressed with uh, with McKinnon. Also, he can run the ball too when Adrian's not in there. So I look for for a strong running game by the Vikings. Hopefully, the Seahawks won't get out too far ahead, so the Vikings have to start throwing the ball. And uh when you when you do a lot of running, when you have one team do a lot of running, it's a, it's a good bet they'll go under. So so I will take the Vikings and the under and we'll sweep the under here. And uh full disclosure in case you
3: don't know where Sioux Falls, South Dakota is, we're about four hours south west of Minneapolis. And I know yeah, so I already heard on the radio Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I already heard on the radio this morning that our I'm expecting to wake up to negative ten on Sunday morning. So Nice. Maybe Minnesota maybe since Minnesota got flexed in those two night games, maybe they should have really pushed for this to be the afternoon game so the sun could peak out there. But uh so maybe the maybe it'll warm up through that game, but uh if it hits ten degrees in Minnesota northeast of me it's not I would be extremely surprised. So which would be excellent T V and if if you're going to that game, wear lots of pants and gloves it's going to be cold uh yeah that should be a good game i don't know if it'll be as epic as the uh the menace excuse me the good giant at uh green bay game from a few years ago that's you know you, you could just tell how cold it was there you probably had to put your jacket on just watching that thing on tv but this could be that case so i'm looking for a really good game in this one
2: um
3: last game green bay at washington what do you got
2: Okay, you know, I you know I started out I put a put a tweet on that said none of the home teams were favored, but the Redskins were pick 'em. Uh, the Redskins actually went down to uh, a one point favorite, or went up to a one point favorite. It's now uh, it's now gone the other way. The Packers are favored by one point, and the over under is forty five.
3: All right, Nick,
2: let us have it. What do you got?
0: Oh, at one point, dogs, I got to take the Redskins at home. Uh, my only home pick this week. Uh, you know, they're, they're they're the hotter team right no. now. Green Bay, they they look like they're in a funk, whereas the Redskins have been just you know beating teams pretty soundly. I, I especially at home, Kirk Cousins has been a lot better quarterback at home than on the road this year. But ever since the whole you like that uh, <laughs> post game comment, he's really been playing great, great football, and like at a borderline elite level. So I got to. Take the Redskins, and uh, uh, what the heck, we'll go over on that one too. Okay,
3: um, it's crazy. It's maybe like a one game of difference here, but Kirk Cousins actually has three hundred more passing yards than Aaron Rodgers uh, on the season. And uh, if I was to tell somebody that in the preseason, they probably would have just totally discounted everything I would have said from that point on. Uh, but it's true, and this is Washington at home. They're excellent against the run, and I know that's not Green Bay's strength by any means. But uh, when when it comes to playoffs, and you want to not take as many risks, you want to set a precedent with your running game. I don't think they're going to be able to do that. And uh, it's I I I love the fact that it went to uh, to to a home tape dog in this one with Washington, even though it's one point. It's not it's not a huge deal, but. That tells me there's a little disrespect out there, biggest wise, and uh, you know, smart smart money. You got to go with the elite quarterback with the playoff experience. But yeah, I will not be surprised if Washington wins this thing by two scores. I really would not. I I, I got to go Washington. Uh, but uh, to, to to make you really think, I'm going to go with the under this one. I think Washington. I want to say Washington like twenty to or 24 to 13, something like that type of thing in this game. Chuck, what do you got for us?
2: You know, I, I thought a lot about this game. And, uh, you know, first of all, to go back to the Super Bowl odds, if there's one, you know, I don't know who I want to bet on, but I, I know who I would, would never bet, would, I would not bet on, and that would be the Packers. They have just not looked like the Packers. Nobody is afraid of them anymore. Uh, Aaron Rodgers doesn't seem to get the respect that, you know, the, the teams are, are, are not uh, – not intimidated by him anymore. I think the Redskins have a little bit of that mojo. And, uh, I would, you know, I would take the Redskins to win the Super Bowl before I would take, take the Packers, I think, this season. They just haven't looked like themselves, whether it's Jordy Nelson or something else. I don't know what it is, but the Packers are not the Packers this year. The Redskins, you know, uh, the Redskins, to their credit, are not the Redskins this year. <laughs> They're a pretty darn good team, especially at uh, at home. So I'm going to take the Skins. Oh, I'm going right. to go overall. I'm going to go overall. So,
3: okay, um, Nick, what what about you? Is, is there based on those Super Bowl odds? Is there is there one team that you would like to bet against making winning the Super Bowl? Uh,
0: Denver at four to one. That shocks me. As bad as their offenses looked, uh, you know, Peyton Manning I think is going to be the new quarterback again. I I, I would not bet on them.
2: Yeah, I have one thing to say well, about that, you guys. Then um, you know, even though even though Manning came in, everybody raised their level of play when he came in. He still his passes still didn't look crisp. And when they get into the playoffs, they're going to have a team do the same thing the Colts did to him last year. And that is not respect the deep pass. Just play everybody close. Play close to the line. Uh, make him try to throw the long pass and uh, and and be right there and and stop their short passes. Um, uh, it it just doesn't uh, Peyton. Even though he's You know, they say he's healthy. I just, I I, I didn't see the zip in his passes that that he used to have.
3: Uh, Nick totally stole my thunder uh, because I also wanted to to rail on Denver just a little bit. And it was the flipping Chargers people. He beat the Chargers last week. They're not even, they're not, even if they doubled their wins, they wouldn't even make the playoffs. So, I mean, I don't get what people are all like, oh, he's back. You know, he's he's not. He doesn't have it. He's not. He's going to, I would rather, I think Peyton, Will lose before that defense wins a game for them. I think Peyton will lose one before they lose it, and I, I hate to say that because he's he's a great he's a great quarterback, one of the best of all time. And I totally respect him, but he needs to just hang it up. He needs to realize that it's it's not in the cards for him anymore. And obviously, a defense can get hot and go get to each of the Super Bowl, and uh, but I, w- I would be totally surprised if that happens. I just I, I like their defense a lot, but it was exposed by Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago, and and that's. That's something that teams certainly are going to look at a lot. So I, I, I yeah. would
2: too bet against Denver. That's for sure. Yeah, Josh, and that and that goes double if the Broncos play somebody like the Chiefs or the Texans or maybe the Bengals, who have just a really, really good defense uh they're they're going to stop them and you know the over under on that game i mean let's say the let's say the bengal's you know it's the bengal's against the broncos the over under will probably be about 20 on that game because with two good defenses matching up against each other maybe you know the texans too <laughs>
3: okay well that is all we have for you uh thanks for the extra homework that i was able to uh to bestow on you, Chuck, and thanks for coming back with some some great nuggets. We appreciate it, and we'll, we'll do this next week as we have some more playoff matchups. Excellent. Great, you guys. Okay. Um, thank you,
2: Chuck, as always, and, and have a great week. Enjoy some playoff football. Okay, and a Happy New Year to everybody, too.
3: Yes, Happy New Year. Uh, Nick, any, any closing thoughts there?
0: Yeah, also a Happy New Year, and uh, don't get to say this very often this time of year, uh, go Redskins.
3: Yes. Oh, see, and this is why I need to have. Hail to the Redskins in the queue, but I don't have it yet, Nick. I'm sorry. I, uh, next, if they win. If they make win. A, I will do. Make what them I earn need. it. They got to win a playoff game before you play make out. them earn. Make it. them earn. All it. right. All right. <laughs> next week. That's how we'll start the show. Hail and have a great playoff weekend. Sit down and enjoy it. Um. Hopefully, my team will be there next year. Thank you, folks. This has been the Dynasty Pulse podcast. Uh, Big thanks to our amazing Daily Assassin on staff, Mr. Brian Sweet. Look for that article on Friday, like he said. Uh, I'm sure he'll drop even more nuggets than he did with us uh, earlier. Uh, Big thanks to Chuck. and Nick, as always, a pleasure. I did miss you over the week that we did not have a podcast. So great to be back on the air. Have a good one, buddy. You too.
1: Podcast with Stacy, Illyasviel, Wagner, and Donald Johnson. Hi, <laughs> people. <laughs> Woke up this morning, hit three. Eight, show money today it's so sunny. Check the football player. I'm getting money. heat is on my face, yeah. It's a couple grand, hundred grand plus in my jewel house pants. Everywhere I ride, getting love from the fans. Fun number nine. You just remember when I paid. On to the back cuz I love to show my ass. Black for bricks in the hair. He looking down, I just at the Land Champagne, bass, for my dad This drop, 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 drop
0: music Drop top music This drop, 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 drop music Drop top music You play to win the game Hello? You play to win the game